shake his small hunger neck. Let's knock him on the backs, butt him in the mouth, knock their ass in the dirt. That's what we gotta do. We gotta stop that buddy ball, smash everybody in the mouth. Hey, baby! We're gonna be here all day, baby! I like this kind of party! I like this kind of party, baby! This is Hour 3 of Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson on the WRAD Talk Network. Remember, with great power comes great responsibility. You know what that means? Do you? We're the underdog. We're mutts. My number one play is the power sweep. If you only knew the power of the dark side... for the Big Dog Sports Talk Power Hour. <laughs> oh, I got a live one here. Safely underway here on this blustery Thursday. Little Prince Rogers Nelson. Keep busting. AKA Prince. 639 4900. 744 2990 on the text line. The White Vic in about half an hour. A little less. This is still my favorite Batman, by the way. The Michael Keaton version. Didn't they get a little too dark? And didn't they become a little too much of an effort to try to make him as dark as possible? All right. I really like Nicholson's Joker. I, you know, I know um, the last couple versions of him been highly critically acclaimed, but uh, I don't know. I just I like this version of Batman too. All right, we're getting some reaction, continued reaction about our conversation of culture, and uh, Andy, of course, just kind of dismissed it, saying that winning means you are going to ignore bad culture or bad things that happen. But let me, let me just say this about tech, the one example he gave. Can it not also be argued, because he mentioned Justin Fuente winning the first couple of years, right? So the culture was good. Okay, give that. 
some credence. But how much of that was because Bud Foster was still part of the program? Coming from what had been built before. So therefore, there was a lot of carryover. Right? Can we not discount that when that program started to go down the tubes, that all of a sudden, Charlie Wiles is gone. All those coaches are gone. Bud Foster steps down. They never got it back when Bud Foster left, did they? Your thoughts? Was he maybe the key component of still that past culture? The winning stopped when he left, and it left. Justin Fuente unable to create it. Just a thought I had there during the break. The success that was there was in place when Bud was still on the staff. When he left, it left. So I don't know. It's interesting. We'll get Dwight's take on this as well. If he, is he a believer in it? I mean, uh, you know, for Andy, his, his belief is that which comes first, the culture or the winning? The winning breeds the culture. I'm still of the mind it goes the other way. Because if winning bred culture, then these programs that have traditionally won, i.e. Miami, Nebraska, before Jim Harbaugh, Michigan, who had to bring the culture back, right? They won. They won a lot of games and Big Ten championships. And they lost their culture. It wasn't necessarily because they immediately started losing. They just didn't have the right guy there. I mean, go through these programs that are struggling to get back. Florida State's just getting back. I don't know. It's a good debate, though. That's a fun, fun sports debate. I mean, there's no really wrong answer to your opinion. That's true. Wayne says when uh, Tech stopped protecting Lane Stadium, the lunch pail mentality. Yeah. That left when Bud Foster walked out the door, didn't it? Absolutely. Because I think that program built that mentality and then the winning came. Now, I know, and, and Tom is right. He goes, you could also identify culture in two words, Mike Vick. Tom, you're correct. It took it to a different level. But Tech was already finding some success. As a matter of fact, that success and the winning and the culture around the program is what attracted Mike Vick to commit to Frank Beamer. 95 Sugar Bowl didn't have um, didn't have Mike Vick. It had J.C. Price. Look at Tech the way they went into the end of 2021 after the dismissal. And in a brief stint as the interim head coach, J.C. Price kind of helped reestablish a little bit, didn't he? The culture. They beat Virginia. Unlikely. 
Justin, when they's coaching that game, you think they go into Charlottesville and win that contest against Brennan Armstrong the way he had played that year? I mean, I'm getting lots of text messages that agree. And I'm not, I'm not saying all this to try to – I mean, it's great if you disagree. I'm not trying to – but I'm just I, – I, I'm not going to just dismiss it. Now, Andy has his take. He's done this a long time, and he says, you know what, that word gets thrown around. But, you know, I'm watching Patrick Mahomes sit there the other night, and I'm watching Joe Burrow. And one of the first things Joe Burrow said was, when I got here, there was not a culture around the program that believed it could win championships, that believed it could compete consistently with Pittsburgh and Baltimore in that division. I wanted to come in and bring the culture we had at LSU. He, he used it like seven times in the first four sentences. And now they are slight favorites. They are slight favorites in their game coming up in Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes talks about Andy Reid's culture all the time. I mean all the time. These are championship-caliber quarterbacks, right? They're back playing one another in the championship game again. Patrick Mahomes has won a Super Bowl. Joey Burrow is going to win a Super Bowl or two or three. It's going to happen. Jalen Hurts, new coaching staff, talks about the energy, the culture around the program, the expectation. All these things. All of these things that make me continue to stand by my original statement that you need the right culture to win. I don't think winning just happens. Bill Belichick was a failed head coach in the NFL, in Cleveland and with the Jets. He got to New England with the right owner, the right quarterback. The culture changed there. He drafted well then at that point. And then things changed. I don't know. You can say that you win, it creates the culture, but that's not the case. I just don't believe that. I don't believe you come from nothing to all of a sudden winning. I look at my own teams. I mean, the Broncos have no culture. They've had three miserable coaches that couldn't create anything. They're trying to find their fourth. I mean, who knows? But what is cultivated there? Brent Price recognized it. He understands it. That's why I want to get Dwight's take coming up. But I just don't know. It's the chicken or the egg. Which comes first, Right. Do you have to have confidence or success first? Don't you have to be confident in yourself before you can go out and achieve something? Say, you know what, I'm not going to let anybody deter me, whether that's success at work, whether that's success in a relationship, whether you're trying to lose weight, whether you're trying to get in shape, whether you're trying to do whatever it may be, you have to have the mindset to lead you to that will to get to that goal, to create a lifestyle, i.e. a culture, that becomes your reality. And until you have that want to and that desire and that right mindset, 
and if you will, that work ethic, it just doesn't happen. I don't know too many guys like yours truly who have wanted to drop some pounds and just where you wake up one morning going, ah, damn it, look at that. <laughs> it didn't happen again. What's going on? I want it to happen. All right, I want to I wanna win this thing. Why, why isn't it happening? Oh, wait a minute. I'm not doing the things that need to be done for it to happen. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Well, doesn't that translate over into athletic programs? Doesn't that translate over into football teams, basketball teams, baseball teams? We're seeing it rapid right now with baseball. Alex Guerra, I can tell you right now, the culture around that program with him coming back is – off the charts. Whereas it was complete opposite, like George Costanza before he got there. Darius Nichols, building a culture. Mike McGuire traditionally has had one in his women's program. Mike Young, Brent Pry. I don't know. It's a good debate. I'm still going to stand by it, though. I, I, I know what Andy's saying. I get it. He has his opinion. I have mine. You have yours. But the Chiefs didn't start becoming a factor until Andy Reid got there and changed the whole mindset of that organization. This is even before Mahomes. Mahomes has just kind of been that perfect match. Those two guys together, just like Brady and Belichick. You have to change the minds of the people around your organization, the attitude, the expectation. I don't know. It's a great debate. The chicken or the egg? The confidence or the success? Winning or culture? I just don't think so many of these prominent athletes, i.e. Michael Jordan, Talk, would talk about it so much if it wasn't a thing. If they hadn't seen it from both sides and understand the difference between the two. Right? If, if it wasn't people like that talking about it, then I would be probably a little bit more of the same mindset of Andy. But uh, I believe there's something to it. I believe there's something to it. You just don't show up and win. These coaches that are good coaches don't start winning and all of a sudden establish a culture. You have to have things in place, and then it happens. And part of that, if you do win, even if you win early, let's say, for instance, Sonny Dykes at TCU year one. Now, that was a winning program before under Gary Patterson. They had lost their way a little bit, and sometimes you can establish it pretty quickly. right? Sometimes it can happen overnight. Duke football, Mike Elko. There's a prime example to me right there supporting my premises on this or my thesis on this. When you have Duke football, which was beyond an afterthought, 0-8 in 2021 in the ACC. All Duke's on the schedule. All right, cool. Easy week, man. This is going to end the losing streak. He comes in. New staff makes some bold statements, goes out and does some bold things in recruiting and the portal empowers his quarterback with his coaches, empowers his coaches to let them do their damn jobs. They get nine wins. They win a bowl game. You tell me all of a sudden 
you know, Duke didn't have the right mindset, the right culture to do that, whereas before just it was just didn't succeed under David Cutcliffe, who has a lot of respect amongst football. I, you know, there's a good example right there. It can happen in one year, too. All of a sudden, dormant programs don't just start winning. They have to have that belief and that whole that whole cultural thing comes into play with Duke. Now, Duke has won. Can they continue to win? TCU, can they continue to be a playoff caliber team out of the Big 12? I believe they will. I believe Duke's going to continue to have success. Now that the culture has been established that they can. They went 20 years without having that. Why did they never win? It's Duke, right? They didn't win because they didn't have a belief from a head coach or from an environment around the program that felt like they could win. Now they do. Good conversation here on a Thursday. It's overcast. It's cold. Bundle up this morning. Big game tonight in the Dedman Center. Come pack us out, will you? Bradford in Longwood. Stay with us. More coming up. Dwight Vick in about 12 minutes. Getting your day started correctly with the final sports talk known to all mankind. Pretty good. It's pretty, 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 pretty good. Big Dog Sports Talk returns next on WRAD. Somebody who had a good culture, huh? Gladys Knight and those pips. So Jim called listening in Vinton. Didn't want to come on the air. And he said, I agree 100% with uh, what you're talking about. He goes, it also starts at home as parents. What kind of a culture do you create around raising your children? Correlation, the right kind of culture. Those children are usually going to be successful. And happy. Now, it's not always the case. Thanks. I appreciate the, uh, the phone call. Give our best to all the peeps in Vinton. But, yeah, that's a good example, too. As parents, we want to create the right culture for our kids, right? This country used to have the right mindset about creating a culture. Now, of course, it's mainly entitlement. It's... We all deserve ours without having to work for it. You disagree with me, I'm going to label you this. We can't get along politically, so now we're going to be split right down the middle. We've lost that. This country's lost that, clearly. This isn't the United States that we grew up with in any way, shape, or form. And it will likely never be again. So, yeah, it happens at home. It's a good call as parents, right? What kind of values, what kind of traits, that all adds up to that word culture. That just doesn't happen without them learning from you. Players, athletes, they have to learn from their coaches what's expected, what is winning really like. Sometimes the athletes can teach it to the organizations that they become a part of. 
That's true, too. By the way, happy birthdays belatedly to our uh, Radford Hall of Famer, Mike Ashley, yesterday. We're going to talk to him about his birthday tomorrow. And also today, we talk about two of our favorite correspondents on the program. Happy birthday to Ms. Marva in Miami. Back-to-back days of birthdays here on the uh, program. Dwight Vick joins us next. More coming up. Final segment on a brisk Thursday. Twenty-five minutes for the top of the hour. Hope you're doing well wherever you might be. A little cold this morning. We're getting a ton of response from our uh, conversation today about culture and so forth. Joining us now on the program. Speaking of culture and creating a very positive culture for all those who have a conversation with him. He is the former all-conference performer, creator of Victory Life, counselor. His name is Dwight Vick. DV, how are you? Good morning, my friend. Hey, good morning. Great to be back on. Well, it's great to have you back on. And first of all, uh, congratulations. Uh, update everybody what's going on with your son. I mean, he's having a magnificent high school basketball season, isn't he? Yeah, man. Um, third year on varsity. He's a junior. Um, had a phenomenal offseason last summer. Put in a lot of work, man. Um, 6'6'4 slash wing for Patriot High School. Um, one of the top teams in the state, um, second-ranked team in Class 6, Division 6, and um, plays for a great coach in Sherman Rivers, who was a star guard at Potomac High School in Woodbridge. And also, he Sherman Rivers, his coach, played at Women Mary and played 10 years overseas. So he's got great mentorship and leadership. And um, they played in the Capitol Hoops, first-ever uh, basketball classic um, at the Matha High School. They were the first kickoff game. It was televised on NBC Regional, but pretty much if you were on the East Coast, you were able to watch it. And he went against uh, one of the top-ranked players in Maryland and had 21 points, six boards, uh, four assists, two steals, and two blocks. Wow. So um, he just really, you know, he had a great game against Battlefield. 21 points was the MVP of that game. He was the MVP game of the game Saturday. Uh Really, really doing this thing, man. And, um, you know, you know, I know people are wondering, you know, our school's interested. Yeah, uh, Rafa reached out this summer. Um, he was supposed to go to their camp, but he ended up um, twisting his ankle at Longwood. Longwood has reached out um, and been showing interest. Uh, Boston College um, and Mount St. Mary's and um, American. So, I mean, you know, this is a big summer for him after the season. The goal is to win a state championship. Um, you know, I'm proud of him. His mom is proud of him. You know, his cousin Mike is proud of him. His grandparents on both sides. So the village he has is pretty remarkable. And I think, you know, the culture we create in our family as far as expectations, accountability, and discipline um, is why you see him having success on the court because of what his wife, who was also, I mean, his mom, who was also a great athlete um, at in high school, she was all-met track star at Stonewall High School, now Unity Reed, and, of course, you know my story, you and your listeners. So combined, you know, we, we bring that same mindset. And, you know, hopefully, man, um, as far as this summer, 
He plays on DC Premier, which is the under on under Under Armour circuit, and um, hopefully, some other schools can take notice. The right school, will, you know, will get him. Um, maybe Tech. You know, I was talking to Mike the other day. He was like, Tech reached out. I said, man, Mike Young is busy, <laughs> focused on trying to break that losing streak, and you know, with the portal and. The class of 2023 is ahead of him because he's a junior. You know, there are a lot of really good players, and there's a log jam somewhat. But, you know, I don't I don't sweat that stuff because the right school and God has a plan will take notice. And But I'm a proud father. He chose to go to the basketball route. He did play football for a while, mm-hmm. but he's getting it done in the hardwood, man. And um, to get MVP um, against a very good Largo team and, you know, basically, you know, on NBC and um, – you know, two weeks two weeks in a row, he was named most valuable player. Man, he's really ascending right now, and um, you know, he's keeping that big legacy going, um, just in a different sport. Absolutely, and uh, congratulations on all that. I know how hard he is working. Hey, he'd look great in Highlander red and blue. I'm just saying, we'd love to have him down. Are you? <laughs> hey, listen, he. Uh, I mean, he was like I said, he. Uh, he, uh, he, you know, Rasper. I don't know the coach, you know that, and I don't know what my limitations are talking about. Yeah, I, I understand. Kind of I understand. But I, but I do know they've shown interest um, going back this summer. Um, so the offers haven't really started yet. But he's also a junior. Um, so I think you know this summer, if he keeps this up this winter, this spring and summer, I know there's going to be some follow through with uh, a good amount of schools. I believe. I mean, his size, he's six six. He plays the five, but he's not a five at the next level, obviously. But he, at the same time, he can stretch it. He can shoot threes. He can drive. He can attack the basket. He can dunk. He can play above the rim. He's a very good defender. That's the thing I'm probably the most excited about is he defends very well. He can, you know, he, he can guard out in space, and he can guard down low, um, and he can get out and run the floor. So, um, you know, he, I'm not, even if he wasn't my son, he's a very good prospect. And I know that other schools are probably watching. I know VCU last summer uh, saw him at the Philly Live and they were like, okay, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on him. So, I mean, recruiting is fluid. You never know who likes you. You never know who may back off. But um, I'm excited for his progress. And I mean, I'm hoping he can cut down the nets with his teammates at the Seagull Center um, in March and win the state championship. No, oh, it's going to be a fun journey for him. Dwight Vick joining us on the program. And you know, you brought up a word that I was going to ask you about during your conversation there about culture. And as parents, as we have to establish it, I mentioned that last segment, as a matter of fact, and around athletic programs. And in particular, I want to focus on Virginia Tech football because you came into a program that had really worked on establishing the culture after the 95 Sugar Bowl and where it was headed and where it has gone. As a matter of fact, you've talked about it, Dwight. And my question to you is, how important is that to make sure it's correct before winning can happen? Or do you see it, as Andy Bitter did, that winning creates the culture? Yeah, Andy's my dude. I just talked to him. He's doing a big story coming up um, with Michael Vick. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and Ronald Curry, but um, Andy's my guy, but winning can't take place unless the culture is present. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Winning winning, has, winning is great. It's the result of having a great culture. Like, here's the thing, man. Like, I, I know this because I helped build Virginia Tech. I mean, I'm, I'm now in my 40s, and, you know, um, you know, I am not playing anymore, but I – you know, even what I did and what I was a part of in 94, 95, and the late 90s is, 
a is the foundation of why Virginia Tech fans, uh, especially the long-time fans, have expectations every year, why they get frustrated with just six wins or five wins or whatever. It's because of what we started. You know, and the culture is it starts from the top, from your AD and even your your, your head coach and your, your president um, of the university. It's, it's the expectation for your cleaning staff and, you know, your janitorial staff, your trainers, your medical staff. Because what's the sense of getting um, a five-star or four-star or, like, you get a 22nd-ranked um, recruiting class, but you're struggling – um, with your practice schedules, or your, you know, your how you trans, how you how your transportation to, you know, road games, or you know, your academics. Like, you know, we were a weld oil machine because Beamer did not cut any corners, and that sounds familiar because Brent Pry said the same thing. I'm not going to cut corners. I want this thing to be sustainable. It's what happens if a coach has to have surgery, but his assistants pick up the slack and they still win a bowl game, a la what happened with Frank Beamer when he had to have throat surgery. And Shane and Foster and those guys took over, and they beat a very good Cincinnati team, which was favored, and had nine wins. And Virginia Tech was 6-6, six and six, and J.C. Coleman had a rushing record day, and they beat them because of culture. It was because Virginia Tech, um, when Beamer started the bowl streak, had 26 consecutive winning seasons because of culture. It's not just something you do and you snap your fingers because, again, if you look at what Miami has done, uh, actually, excuse me, I stand corrected, has not done despite having a multitude of talented players and future pros, is because Miami, respectfully, it does not have a culture. They tried to create one with manufacturing a turnover chain and then, you know, throwing up the U <laughs> right. and running around and dancing and beating inferior opponents, but then they would lose to Middle Tennessee State, they would lose to Virginia Tech, they would lose to Duke. It's because they didn't have a culture. It was just they were trying to recreate and manufacture hype, which is not sustainable. Matter of fact, that's more emotion. It's like before a boxing match, if I just talk a bunch of trash and then we get in the ring, I really don't have any strategy because within my training regiment, I don't have the culture of working and sacrificing and dying to and having watching film and watching tape. That is what that is all about. And I've been saying it for years. And again, not to bring up any painful memories. Hopefully your listeners aren't driving too far because I'm about to say something. (laughs) I'm bringing up Wednesday, right? That culture started off pretty good because he came and he resonated, but it wasn't sustainable because the foundation was faulty. There were too many, um, loose ends, which is why you had that embarrassing Sports Illustrated article about turkey bacon and lack of, you know, consistency and communication. Then you had guys after losses getting on Twitter with cryptic tweets about love doesn't live here anymore. I'm going to go here, or you know, guys transferring with three or four or five games left, infighting. It was a disaster because the culture absolutely flat out sucked, and that was a problem. And that's why when things got rough and there was adversity, the team crumbled because you had no culture. Keep in mind, I'm taking you back for a little bit. When Virginia Tech, and one of the most embarrassing losses in Virginia Tech football history, tied away for us with 0-0, and they went into triple overtime and lost. The following week, they had to beat a decent UVA team at home, but UVA had won, and UVA had a good team. 
and Virginia Tech had to beat them after not scoring, basically. And they won the game when Bucky Hodges caught the winning touchdown. And the reality is is that um, that was because Beamer was able to really get guys to buy in no matter how bleak the situation was. Um, even my junior year when we had a rash of injuries and we ended up playing a very, very good uh, Mac Brown team, um, UNC was loaded that year with Dre Vlaude, Bonnie Holiday, Ebenezer Ekubon, Greg Ellis, Deion Dyer, and tons of other talented players. Um, they were better. They shouldn't even been in the Gator Bowl. But that year we were able to get to the Gator Bowl and finish second in the, second in the conference with a 5-2 and two record because even when our Dave Meyer and Al Clark went down, the culture within the organization, within the university, was able to come up with a strategy to put Nick Sorensen a backup safety at quarterback because he had played some quarterback in high school. We went on the road that year and beat Boston College by 17. Um, I can give you tons of stories, but you're not going to you're not going to win just because you recruit and you have a big locker room and magnificent and immaculate flat screen TVs and arcades. That's part of the culture as far as the materialistic piece and the presentation. But that foundation better be solid because if you get a kid in there who is like a me guy or a guy that just does what he wants to do and and and, and, and sabotages, your team's going to falter. And it's going to show at the worst possible place, the field. I see. I agree 100%. And I've even made the case here today, Dwight, that maybe that culture early, the reason Tech was able to, you know, under Fuente to segue into winning those first two years – there was one key factor remaining on his staff from the bright culture, and that guy was uh, Bud Foster, right? And he br- he brought a lot of that with him. And when he left, they started losing. I'm just saying, right? I mean, yep. I don't Listen, know. I don't know. I just I think it, it, it goes hand in hand. Yeah. Well, again, I mean, Bud Foster. You know, look, look, look not just Bud Foster. Yeah. John Berlin. Look again. This is why I started off my segment talking about. The cleaning crew and janitorial staff, the people that clean the stadium after thousands of fans, some twisted out their mind, drunk, trash the place, from the people that take the ankles, from the people, the professors and the academic support staff that work in Castle, um, from your strength and conditioning program with the guys that were there doing the Golden Arrow, Mike Gentry, and even other people, your assistants. They all have to act as one. That is not going to happen. Um, I'm telling you, it's, it's no different from a very successful fall small business to a global giant corporation that still makes millions of dollars. They all have the same thing in common, a systematic approach that can even work while you're sleeping, that, that you can trust that if I go away like Tom Hanks and Wilson the volleyball for five years on an island, you guys can still function without me, okay? That is what culture and a systematic approach means an effective one. Again, um, you look at some of these schools from a from a university standpoint, and I'm talking about like the campus life. I'm talking about um, teams. You're like, why can't they win? Why do they struggle? Well, they have they're good. It's not people always say because the coach is terrible and they don't really have a good coach. That may be true. I've always said. It could be a disconnect between the AD and the coach because it's just not a good fit. You and I both know, and you and I are grown men, and we've been around this game, football and basketball, the top two revenue sports for a long time. You and I both know what we can't talk about on air 
when you realize why programs can't win because you say, hey, right. he'd be a fool to take that job. That's a bad job. And from the from the casual fan, like, why not? They're in the Big Ten. It doesn't matter. It's a bad job because of what? The culture. You know, and, and it comes down to that. And, you know, I appreciate you asking about my son. The one thing I take pride in is the fact that when we go to his school and we talk to his high school and AAU coaches, they talk about what a phenomenal job my wife and I are doing. That's the culture in the Vic household here in Northern Virginia. You're going to have chores. You're going to wash dishes. You're going to clean your room. You're going to take out the trash, the recyclables. You're going to make sure that you're home at a decent hour. You're going to abide by your curfew. You're going to work hard. You're going to be respectable. You're not going to get texts. You're not going to be on TV grabbing your crotch. You're going to interview well. You're going to speak great. That is what I'm talking about. And I can trust that him and my three daughters, two daughters, will do the same thing in their journey. Um, and that's why you see the Chiron Stiff, the J.C. Coleman's, the J.C. Price, myself, and so many people from that Virginia Tech football program, 15, 20, 27 years removed, still doing the Beamer way still looking like successful products of their community because of what was started in 1995, 1998, 2007, and 2010, and so on and so on. Um, the truth of the matter is it's bigger than football because the end game is to win and win a national championship and win bowl games and win your conference. But the bigger picture is to make sure after your professional career, whether it be pro or in corporate America, you still understand the importance of meeting expectations, being responsible, and, and, and exemplifying the culture you were part of at Virginia Tech. No, I think that's very well said. And uh, you come from a place where you lived it, you helped create it. So, I mean, that's a heck of a resource. All right, Dwight, listen, I appreciate your take so much, man. It, uh, it uh, makes so much sense. And like you said, too, these coaches that don't succeed, all of a sudden they're not just – horrible football coaches I just think they haven't been able to when they say hey they couldn't handle the overview of the whole program what people are really saying is he never created the culture he needed to right that's, that's no just, right yeah. it's the same thing yeah yeah I I you know I know I got jump off but I'll just say again man it's it if a coach is winning and you know all of a sudden things get bad I guarantee you there's been a change in the system and the culture there's been something there's a disconnect between him and the staff or the powers that be. It just doesn't happen, especially when you have been successful for several years or for quite a bit of time. But um, I enjoyed this call. I didn't mean to be so no, demand, you know, direct, but this is, you know, that's a topic. If you had two hours, I could probably go nine. <laughs> I know you could. I know, and I would love to hear it, too. And I'd like to get examples of it. Maybe we could do that sometime. I would love that. That would be great. I appreciate that. Would yeah, be great. Man. No, absolutely, man. But no, I appreciate you, man. Um, I got the Eagles. And okay. I got the Bengals. Okay, I've got it. I got the Bengals. I'm going with the Niners. I'm going to trust uh, D'Amico Ryan's defense to continue to get it done. We'll see, though. It's going to be a fun weekend, I hope, of good football. Yeah, not a bad choice, man. Looking forward to it. All right, brother. You too, man. Have a great weekend. Take care. All right. You too. All right, there you go. Dwight Vick, great stuff from him as always. That's a great answer, by the way, man. And, I mean, that's a, that's a heck of a source right there. So I feel, feel validated with my belief. We're coming back to wrap it up quickly. Stay with us. They're talking Highlanders. They're talking Hokies. What the heck are you even talking about? If it's local sports you seek, look no further. You found it. Don't you know talking about More BDST next on the WRAD Talk Network. Hey, Dad. Tonight, 7 o'clock, Dedman Center. 
It'll be on ESPNU, but we invite you to come on out and hang out with us, please. We'd love to see you tonight. Scream for the Highlanders taking on the defending conference champion Longwood Lancers. Radio Network will be with you at 6.30 with yours truly, Cole Wilder. 7 o'clock the tip from the Dedman Center. Great stuff today as always. Thanks to Andy Bitter and Dwight Vick. Everybody stay safe. We'll see you tomorrow on the finally Friday edition. Take care, everybody. Center for. I'm Ron Burgundy. You stay classy, New River Valley.